Hello and welcome to the 108 podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Raquel. And we are the Type 1 Together Girls. We are stripping down life with type 1 diabetes from two people who live different versions of it every single day. Please remember Type 1 Together does not give medical advice. We are only sharing from personal experience. All right. Um, Welcome everybody to episode eight. I cannot believe that we're eight episodes in. Yes. It doesn't feel like it. Doesn't it feel like we've only been doing it for like a few weeks? Yes, but I definitely feel like we're both getting a little more comfortable and having more fun with being on the mic. That took some time. Yes. (laughs) Yes. We both, (laughs) we both, you guys had, well, I won't speak for you, I guess, but I'm pretty sure you felt the same way. My heart was racing when we hit start for the very first episode, which is so funny because it's not live. You know, it's like technically if we beefed it, we could just like not use it, but that's how it feels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It feels like, well, we're trying, this is a whole other conversation, but the editing process is a lot for those of you who don't know. Like it is more than I ever realized. And now I have Mm -hmm. such an appreciation for podcasts. And so we're trying to be like, all right, just press go and we're not going to mess up. So we don't have to edit anything. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh sooner or later we're gonna definitely need to be editing things so um yeah we'll see how long that lasts but yes amanda it was so fun this weekend getting to see you and going to the type one nation summit here in los angeles that was your first yes. one right i'm curious what your experience was yeah it was my first one i really liked it a lot um it was a lot smaller than i was anticipating but busier than I was anticipating. So it was like, oh my gosh, it was nonstop. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think like smaller in the sense of walking in to that hallway. And I think it's likely just because my first ever, you know, interaction with a conference style yes. thing for diabetes was friends for life, which is like the biggest literally the biggest one that you will go to probably ever (laughs) yes so that was just like my experience and that's what was in my head and then to walk into like a single hallway instead of an enormous you know like ballroom style whatever um that that yeah I was like oh this is smaller than I thought but it makes sense and I actually appreciate the more intimate setting of it all because it felt like we actually could talk to everyone, you know? Yeah. And yeah, well, I was just going to say like, I appreciate that. And that's super important to me that we actually get a chance to talk to everyone. Yes. Yeah. I totally threw you into like the biggest conference ever. And now the other one seems so chill, but it is, it's so nice. We got to talk to so many families and I'll explain really fast in case no one's ever been it's one before um, JDRF chapters, they most of them host this thing called Type 1 Nation in each city. And so if you know, you're know you not in L.A., it doesn't matter. They have them all over the place. And it's one of my favorite events they put on because it's really about the education. They have like sessions going on. It's just a half day event usually. Um, but then there's also a huge vendor hall, which is where we were. So we had a table set up and everyone gets to walk through and kind of see new companies and you know all the standard ones are there too and so yeah it's just really fun and it's a good way to meet families and it was really fun going my second year here in LA because there were so many people that I met there last year that Mm -hmm. came back up and um I'm gonna shout out I think his name is Paul 
uh, <laughs> if you're listening to this, but uh, there's this person who is a, uh, he calls himself a manny <laughs> uh, and he does not have type one, but he nannies and has nannied for this little boy with type one since he was very little, I think a baby, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And literally came to the event last year just to learn all the things about diabetes to help this child, like not with the family, just by himself. And that is the cutest thing ever. And we saw him again and got to, you know, introduce Amanda. And I don't know, that's just, it's the coolest thing. Like, how kind is that? So kind. He was, you could just like feel the genuine nature of him like pouring out of him. He's just such a wonderful person. I really enjoyed talking to him. And he was kind of sharing like, you know, I know we're a smaller group, but there, there is a group of us that we're not parents and we're not necessarily related, but we love these kids like our own, you know, and we're, we're caretakers are in our own right. And like, he was sort of like, I, I kind of want support for like the unique role of being a caretaker, like someone who yes. doesn't make every parenting decision, but someone who's like thrown into a parenting role and kind of the balance of that and how to learn about type one, how to, safely care for these children and just like fill in all the gaps basically um so he was thinking about writing a book i think he said he was one chapter in so um yeah he yeah was just so <laughs> so cool he was hopefully he'll come on the podcast one day and on that note that gave me an idea like if any of you have had any babysitters you've met through the type one together babysitter list um, that have just been amazing. Like it would be so fun to also interview some people that have babysat several families and kind of get their perspective. Cause I can share my experience, but um, I haven't been doing it quite as much lately. And it is such a unique, I mean, whether you have type one or not and you're a caretaker, like it's still such a different experience for me to babysit compared to managing it for myself. So there's probably a lot we could talk about there. Yes. So much that could be discussed and a lot that would be a really fun conversation actually for a babysitter to come on and then like for me to ask the questions as who isn't necessarily going to be hiring them you know and then back and oh, forth yeah, that'd be so cool or the, i love that yeah so let us know have the, like questions for parents that it's just like oh i can't ask this to my actual employer you know Yes. Um, but yeah, it was so special. It's always the most special thing meeting you in person. Like so many of you came up and were like, we follow you, which number one is the weirdest feeling ever. Yes. But it's, it just makes what we're doing so much more real because it's nice to be online, whatever. But like sometimes it just feels like we're talking to random little number or, you know, letters on the screen. And yeah, people are commenting back, but it's not, I don't know. It's just like there's nothing like the in person connection. So it always like gives me more motivation to keep going yes and seeing the kids is just the best ever the best it's yeah, especially when yeah. you see the diabetes they're like mom dad i want this please <laughs> i'm like sorry <laughs> another thing to add to the list but yeah it makes i know <laughs> speaking Too of diabetes must produce those sorry i, I just know i know we we don't do that because it's so special when they're handmade and so unique but you know there's talk of doing stuff like that eventually you never know um, 
but the ghosts oh my gosh we had these little light up uh glow in the dark ghosts i can't wait for you to get yours amanda it is the cutest thing ever and we sold out of them I mean, or megan made 20 of them and within one day we sold out of all of them and that's because they're so freaking cute they have little dexcoms on and she's gonna try to make more so if you didn't get one and you want one stay tuned we'll see but Good. i was gonna ask yeah so she yeah. agreed to make more yeah part of the problem is that so she found the glow in the dark yarn for the first time, which by the way, if you ordered one, you have to charge it in the sun or like by a window for like at least a few minutes and then it will glow. I was so confused when it first came in the mail because I was like, it's not glowing in the dark. What? But then oh. I realized I had to put it in the sun, um, which is kind of fun. Like yeah. it was like a little activity, but um, it's hard to find the glow in the dark yarn. Apparently like it's sold out in a lot of places. So she did order more, but only enough for so many. So just know that when they come back, it's going to, they're going to go really fast again, probably. Yeah. Um, and she also has so many normal diabetes orders. So we want to make sure that those are getting done. Um, yeah. Even though it'd be nice to be able to make tons and tons of ghosts. So we'll see. For now sure. we know that they're a hit. So we can hopefully do them in the future. Oh my gosh. They're so cute. And I do want to just put this out there for all of you that I purchased my ghosts. So <laughs> I don't oh, want anyone yes. thinking like, oh, of course Amanda got one, you know, for free or whatever. No, I like I also was part of the, <laughs> the frenzy to get them. <laughs> yeah. Well, the truth is Megan appreciates it so much. And so do I, because she spends so long making all of these diabetes, yeah. like one diabetes, like a normal sized one, like a dinosaur can take her eight hours. And like, I get that on the website, it's like, oh, well that's, you know, $50 seems like it's expensive for a stuffed animal, but it's like, imagine how much she should be making for the amount of hours she's spending but we care so much about keeping them somewhat accessible which is why we have different sizes and different price points mm -hmm. they take so long so so long that's they why are, they're so cute yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm really excited i did not tell hattie that um i got her the ghost so it's gonna Yay. be a little surprise and it's so funny because right now she's super into um this tiny little stuffed duck it's like a tiny baby yes. stuffed duck but it looks like a baby chick so she has named it chicky chicky she's obsessed with her chicky it's so funny because her bunny which was like her pink stuffed bunny she couldn't go anywhere without bunny for like two years and now bunny who even is bunny anymore it's all <laughs> about chicky and i have a feeling that ghost is gonna be ghosty gonna, yes. <laughs> or what well, i don't know <laughs> whatever she calls it yes oh but gosh. i think that uh chickie's uh you know the chickie's days are numbered basically yes you might be right <laughs> about that that's so funny i can't wait for her to get it um and we also have like since we're on the topic of diabetes we recently came out with little device patches too so that if you already have stuffed animals at home that you want to you can either like get some sticky stuff and stick them on they're like little felt patches or you can sew them on depending on if it's like a barbie style plastic doll or a, a squishy doll or stuffed yeah. animal um you can put them on your stuffed animals at home too so you know they're awesome and yes. so fun you can get whatever devices that you want so i just want to throw that out too in case a diabetic either you don't have the time to wait for it to be made for a gift or you just want something yeah. a little more affordable. On that topic, actually, I think that this is a perfect way to like set up what we're going to be talking about. Yeah. Um, so if you guys have young children who are still interested in 
like stuffed animals or their favorite doll or whatever. That is such a perfect way to help your child like get past not get past, that's the wrong phrasing, get through site changes and injections and pump changes and whatever. Um, We got Coco the monkey from the hospital and Hattie had to have Coco the monkey with her for every single finger poke and injection and Dexcom change for the first like four or five months, every single one. So that monkey was with us 24-7, right? And it often was helpful to say, okay, Hattie girl, it's time for breakfast. That means you need your insulin shot. Coco also needs her insulin shot because she has diabetes like you and she wants to have a banana. So is she going to have her shot first or are you going to have your shot? And then Hattie would tell me which one. And eventually, it was always Coco goes first. And then eventually, Hattie started saying, I want to go first. And then she would go, okay, Coco, your turn. And if, like, you know, as the months passed, I would actually hand Hattie the used syringe after I had given her her injection and carefully, but, and guided her, but like let her inject Coco by herself yeah. So it was almost like a, that's got to be a sense of relief, right? For a two-year-old yes. to use an act, the actual needle that also hurt her, like absolutely into her stuffed animal. Um, yeah. Anyway, so in terms of getting these little patches of like pumps and whatever, you could also just order um, Velcro if you have, um, you know, like a certain stuffed animal in mind, and just paste or hot glue or whatever that like different Velcro patches around the stuffed animal in the same spots that you have to change your child's Dexcom or pump. So every time you have to change that, their stuffed animal has to also change theirs. Also change it. Yes. And there is something exciting coming, coming in the diet buddy world that will allow you to sort of change around sites, but Stay tuned for that. This was actually Amanda's idea, so it will be coming (laughs) soon. Uh, Megan's working on it. But yeah, I had Rufus the bear when I was little, and I know a lot of people listening probably got Rufus in the hospital. Um, And so Rufus has like the little patches all over his body, and I was able to give him shots too. But whatever it is, like I totally agree. That's it. (laughs) It's so nice to like just not be alone in it. And also just like practice changing the site or like giving the shot, whatever it is, can be really helpful. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, are we talking about anything else, any other like life topics or should we take a break? Let's take a quick break. We will be right back. Okay. Thank you so much to VileSafe Insulin Protectors for sponsoring the 108 podcast. Yes, VileSafe was created by a diabetic for diabetes and it solves the huge issue of accidentally breaking your insulin vials. These are reusable insulin vial covers, and they make the vial so much easier to hold, and it saves the expense, heartache, insurance nightmare, and smell of breaking an insulin vial. I especially love using mine for travel, and they have so many cute colors and designs now that make insulin vials or pens so much more fun. It's such a no-brainer product for me that I believe we all need in our lives, and you can now use code TYPE1TOGETHER25 for 25% off at filesafe.com. Wait, Amanda, I have a question. Do you notice the smell of insulin? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, but 
like only when a lot has come out, you know, yes. like I don't think so I notice funny. it when I'm just drawing it up and putting it in her pod. But if mm-hmm. it spills, at I think all. I've gotten used to it in a weird way. And like when yeah. we were at Friends for Life, Kevin and I were walking around. I think I posted a story about this, and he was like noticing how many type ones there. And he's like, "I just smell insulin everywhere." <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious! I'm definitely to used to it, but it's kind of interesting. Like it smells like the hospital to me. So yeah. when she was first diagnosed, I was really like transported back to like oh no, I'm late for work, you know, or, oh, I've got to draw this up really fast. Like that baby's <laughs> tanking, like we need, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I had like weird, um, you like know, flashbacks. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and now that it's been enough time where I haven't worked in the hospital and I've just been, you know, focusing on Hattie's diabetes and everything else. Um, now it, I associate it more with pump changes and <laughs> injections mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, I did break an insulin vial. It's probably been like four or five years now since I've done that because I've used vial safe for so long, honestly. Um, but you can definitely smell it in that instance. No matter how used to it I am when you break a vial, there's nothing like that smell. But it does smell like the doctor's office or the hospital, even for me, even though I wasn't like working in one. It just has that yes. kind of feeling to it. It's weird. Yes. Um, but yeah, I have been using vial safe, like I said, for many years now. They have recently come out with some really cute, fun designs. I used to have a clear one, which was nice, but now there's like unicorns and hearts and cactus and funny sayings on it. So I'm loving it. And obviously, like like I said, it's a no-brainer product. I don't want to break my insulin vials. It's it's a very expensive thing and it's not worth risking ever. Yes. It's so funny. Our new game that Hattie doesn't know is a game. It's a game that's in my own head is how long does it take her to realize that I've taken the pink cover off and put a different color on? Yes. If she is with me filling the pod, but if not, mm-hmm. then obviously she's not like seeking it out, but that girl yes. is obsessed with pink and I love pink, love a good pink moment, but sometimes <laughs> I'm like, can we put like the blue one on? <laughs> yeah. She's all about the pink and sparkles lately, right? Yes. Glitter pink. Yes, yes exactly. So funny. Well, thank you again to Biosafe for sponsoring this podcast. And we are so grateful for you. Again, for 25% off your order, use code TYPE1TOGETHER25 at Vialsafe.com. Okay, everyone, let's dive into today's topic. This has been kind of a hot button issue on Type One Together's Instagram page in the past. Um, And I think it's because there is no universal answer. And that topic is dosing before, right as your child eats, or after your child's done with a meal. What do you do? And I think that the reason why this is such a hot topic and it's so highly debated is because we as parents of young type 1 children do not get a universal answer. And really, there isn't a universal answer. So I think we should talk about like what your experience was growing up, Raquel, what I was taught to do, what we've heard other people were taught to do, and discuss how you can use dosing 
before, during, or after as a tool. Yes, absolutely. Well, first, let's just put it out there that like I have learned more in the last few years than ever. Like I should have realized, maybe not should have. I wish I knew this years ago. But managing blood sugar in the way that I want it to go, it matters so much the timing of insulin. Like the timing Mm -hmm. of insulin, it just matters. It makes such a difference. And I feel like that wasn't just known information to me, but like it's not just about the carbs and the insulin, it's the timing. Like that matters just as much as anything else. So does pre-bolusing help? A hundred percent. Like as someone living with diabetes as an adult, you know, the doctor always says pre-dose, pre-dose, pre-dose. Does it always happen for me? No. Does it even happen 50% of the time? No. But as someone who doesn't have to consider the factors of am I going to eat this whole thing or not, I mean, I still think about that, but not in the same way as a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, it just makes a difference and it does help. So there's not really a debating that part, I feel like. Um, but I don't think that you you need to ever be a person that just predoses or doesn't predose. Like I think that there's a lot of middle ground to kind of figure out when it makes sense for you to predose, when it makes sense for you to predose a portion of the insulin that you're going to get overall, and when it does not make sense at all. And I still have every single one of those scenarios happen. And I think that that is even more important for a parent dealing with a very unpredictable child when it comes to eating. Yes. So when you were diagnosed, you were five. Do you remember, did your mom always bolus you or not bolus, I guess, just give you your injection before you started eating? Do you remember? I definitely got it before I was eating. I don't remember if I got it 10 or 15 minutes before. I feel like I had a talk with her recently. I really need to do like a deep dive with her again now that I'm like sharing all of this more openly. But um, where I was like, oh, I just wish I knew earlier on that I should be predosing. And she was like, Raquel, they did tell us to do that. <laughs> so I don't know like how often it really happened. However, especially when I was on the pump, I don't think it happened that much. Because at that point, I started even mm-hmm. at a young age, like when I was eight or nine, like doing a lot of my own dosing on the pump because it was just so much easier. Mm-hmm. But when I was on shots, my whole life was structured because the doctors were so insanely strict with like 45 carbs at this time and 15 mm-hmm. carbs for snack every single day at this time. And so um, it's possible that we did. But I definitely at least got it before I ate. I know that. I don't remember ever getting shots after I ate. Yeah. Okay. So I think that like – there's there's so many threads here. So I think we should focus on those of us who have kids who are on MDI or have had our children on MDI because the pump really does change the game. That's when we talk about the split bolusing. For those mm-hmm. of you who are maybe like more in your early days and some of this verbiage is going over your head, basically when you're on a pump, you don't have to worry about multiple pokes, which is like the biggest scare factor, you know, as we yeah. are, you know, trying to get through this with our young kids. And so you can give a little bit of the amount of insulin they need before, right? As they start eating halfway through the meal, finish it up after. And then suddenly it's like they've gotten a bunch of these smaller boluses of insulin to cover the amount of food. And that's really helpful and really important. So if some of you are struggling with your numbers and you have a young child and you're on MDI and you hate it, 
look into pump therapy. Start the conversation with your child's endo about pump therapy. And one thing I will also say is obviously it's not medical advice, yada, 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 but it is okay to push back. You are the person living with your child. You deal with them every second of the day. And when an endo says to you, eh, they're not ready yet. That's the endo using five seconds of their time throughout their entire day to just, eh, not ready yet and move on. That's not, you know, like, I'm sorry, but it is what it is. Our endo initially told me my daughter had to be six or seven before she went on a pump. And I accepted that as fact when I didn't know anything else. And then when I started doing my own research and seeing like, wait, there's two, three, four-year-olds all over the place with pumps. I was like, mm-hmm. um, hi, yeah, no, you're not you're not putting me in the corner here. Yeah, maybe we'll um, do a whole episode on advocating at the doctor yes, at some point. That's a good idea. But sorry, tangent, of course. Um, let's go back to like MDIs. So if you are your child's on injections and you were told okay, you have a young child, you never know how much they're going to eat. Wait until, you know, they're done eating and then count the carbs that they ate and then give them an injection. Mm -hmm. This is what is wrong with that, in my opinion. That's okay. The word wrong is the wrong This is what's going to be challenging about that, (laughs) I would say. Thank you. Thank you. That's exactly what I meant. Not wrong. This is what is challenging. And this is what many of you might be going, oh my gosh, why is my kid always high? It's because when your child, let's say your two or three-year-old starts eating a meal and they take their toddler, they take 20 minutes to eat and they end up eating 20 grams of carbs. That is 20 minutes for those 20 grams of carbs to go into their system and start raising their blood sugar without any fast-acting insulin in their body to slow it down. Because they have type 1 diabetes and because they have no fast-acting insulin going on, that blood sugar can spike, Like especially if you're not in honeymoon period anymore. Like- you know, that's the reality of diabetes. The blood sugar is going to go from 120 to 130 to 180 to 250 to 300 to 320. Like it's just going to go that high. And then if you say, okay, so now it's 20 minutes after, or they've eaten their meal, it's 20 minutes later, right? And now you're going, okay, now I have to draw up one unit of insulin because. Um, their carb ratio is one unit of insulin for every 20 grams of carbs they eat. And then you're injecting them with one unit of insulin. Well, you're already way behind on the game because now their blood sugar is in the three or four hundreds and they actually need correction. Exactly. Insulin plus meal insulin. And not just a correction, like it's actively rising. So it's like it takes even more insulin, almost like triple the amount to stop the spiking 
to bring down that high blood sugar and to cover for those carbs that are still actively being absorbed in their body. Like it's just so much more to deal with. Yes. It is not as simple as here's X amount of carbs and this is X amount of insulin that needs to cover them and they'll just always be covered. It it doesn't work like that. And I think that a lot of pediatric endos just put it out there like that as a way to simplify it and a way to prevent potential lows. Like if you do dose your kid before they eat and then they don't eat anything and then you're chasing a dropping blood sugar, that's that's its own challenge. That is scary. And I agree with that. But it's also like unrealistic and unfair to not paint the whole picture, I think, to families. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to have you go ahead. I want to hear what yeah. your thoughts. No, I completely agree. I think the way you explain that is going to help so many families because it just becomes so much more complex. And once you get on that blood sugar roller coaster, as I call it, it is much harder to get off because then you're dealing with a child who's in the two or three hundreds or even higher. Then you need to dose more to correct that, bring them back down. Then by now they might be running around. So they have a bunch of insulin on board. They're done eating, running around, which running around is then going to take that insulin and speed it up because you have the insulin on board while essentially working out. Then they're dropping like crazy. Their double air is down and you treat again and now they're back up to 250. And that's where you see these kids that are just up and down and up and down and up and down. And this sounds weird, but it's like it's almost just easier to stay in range than it is once you get on that roller coaster because then diabetes is taking up your whole entire day. And that's where it's so worth it for me to like, okay, give the insulin early if I can. Mm -hmm. And if I can't, again, not medical advice, but what I've learned with my own body is that if we're at a restaurant, I don't know when it's coming out. And let's say I'm on MDI, so I'm not able to even, you know, I don't want to give two doses. So I'm not going to give half of it. Um, I will give additional insulin knowing that I missed the timing of mm. that pre-bolus because giving a little bit more will, I don't know how to explain it. It just, it, <laughs> it works better because then you're kind of already treating that high that's about to come and you're treating the food. So you're mm -hmm. bringing it like doing it all at once um, yeah. and you're preventing that spike. But like Amanda was saying, like the timing of like giving your child 20 minutes to just have that food absorbing in their body without the insulin, like it's, it's just too late. And I don't say that to be harsh. It's just, why aren't we told that? Like then yeah. all these parents are coming to us being like, I'm doing everything the doctor said and it's not working. Like she just keeps going high. And it's like, maybe your ratio isn't wrong. Maybe that is the amount of insulin that your daughter needs, but you gave it at the time of the meal or even after, you know, it's just, mm -hmm. it's just the I reality. Think, I think that like there's, again, like so much of having this discussion around, you know, being a parent to a type one child, especially a young child is it's out of your control how much they eat. Like picky kids and kids eating habits. I mean, no one knows. It's it's a mystery. Like some days yeah. they can eat a horse and other days they can survive off one gusher. And so it's just like <laughs> the weirdest, most challenging things. So I think that, you know, a lot of it has to do with um, that fear of, okay, we don't know how much 
how many carbs they're going to eat. So we're just going to wait. And if you also have that fear as a parent, here's my suggestion. First and foremost, figure out what your kid will always say yes to as an Mm -hmm. emergency low save. So for us, my kid will almost always say yes to juice and she'll almost always say yes to gummies like the Annie's or Welch's gummies. Mm -hmm. But further beyond that, if she says no, if she's in a mood, she will eat candy. Like most kids (laughs) will eat candy. So we have emergency jelly bellies. Those are about one gram of carb per jelly belly. And they act really fast. Um, Honey, like if you have a really young child who still uses a pacifier, putting some honey on the pacifier. um, Yep. You know, things like that. So figure out what your kid will always say yes to and have that on hand and then start by giving the injection earlier and earlier. And I'm not, we're not saying this like, this is what you have to do, follow what we're saying. I'm putting this out there as food for thought, as something for you guys to think about like incorporating into, you know, like your diabetes management plan. If you're struggling with constant highs or constant roller coaster and you're looking for a way to get off, you know? Yes. And so like taking little steps. So not, not going from like, you know, okay, I dosed after counting carbs 30 minutes after they're done eating. Now I'm going to dose for 30, 30 minutes before they even start eating. Like don't, don't swing all the way that way. Maybe start with like, the injection happening right as they're sitting down to eat mm-hmm. and see what that does to the blood sugars. And then inch it, you know, two minutes before, five minutes before, eight minutes before. Um, and I say all this with the caveat of if you have a young child, I completely understand that sometimes you just can't. Sometimes the structure just isn't there. And that's okay too. Yeah. Definitely. And I want to go back really fast to the different scenarios I was talking about in the beginning because another big thing that matters to me or to my body is the time of day. And so you might find that it's not as important for you to pre-dose at night. But for me, the morning is a non-negotiable. Like this morning, I woke up and I was already (laughs) – I have – either foot to floor or the dawn phenomenon. If you don't know the difference, uh, we actually just shared a video in our Honey Health Super Parents community um, of Meg talking about it. But basically one of them is where you like stand up and as soon as you get up out of bed, your blood sugar starts going up, which is a natural thing for type ones. Um, and foot to, f- or sorry, that's foot to floor. The dawn phenomenon phenomenon is before you even get out of bed, you start spiking. And that has been happening to me the last few days. So today I woke up, I was 133 slight arrow up and I already knew I needed insulin to go ahead and stop that arrow, bring my number back to steady. Then I knew I was going to get coffee and I was going to have breakfast eventually. And I just like went ahead and, you know, gave that insulin a lot earlier than I would for my dinner dose. And that's because I know how much more resistant my body is. So not to add another layer of complexity, but just starting to be aware of the fact that different times of day can mean different insulin amounts or timing is needed can be really helpful. Yes. Yeah. And that's like a perfect, yeah, that's a perfect start to thinking about the other factors. So again, it can all Mm -hmm. feel so overwhelming and it is overwhelming, but there's another thing as you're thinking about, do I dose right as they're eating 
after they're done eating, five minutes before, 30 minutes before. If you, if your child, let's say, is at 350, that's their blood sugar, and you know that lunch is going to be ready in 45 minutes, try the, mm-hmm. I would, what I have done in the past is give the injection right then. Oh, yeah. Just, get that number down. Yes. Let's get that number down. Let's give the correction plus the mealtime bolus. I'm going to anticipate she's going to have 20 grams of carbs. That's what I'm going to put on her plate. And then I'm going to fill the gap if she only eats 15 grams. Mm-hmm. Or I won't even fill the gap. I'll just watch the blood sugar and see what it does. And if it starts to come down, it starts to dip below 100, 90, 80, then I'll give half a juice box or a few slices of apple or whatever. It's kind of, it's a game of chess, right? And so um, like another example is right now, my daughter's number is 133 and she's down 12 blood sugar points from the last five minutes. They are probably going to be eating snack in 15 minutes. What I would do, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, but what I would do is wait until she takes her first bite and then dose her mm. because yeah. she's dropping by 10, 15-ish points every five minutes. So I want her to have a chance to have some carbs in her body first, yep. slow slow that drop, and then I still want the insulin in her body so that what she's eating is covered. Yeah. So I hope that makes sense. (laughs) I think it does. And before I know we're about to wrap up, but let's just touch really briefly on the other base, the basics of the other options if you're on a pump. So if you're, this is what I do. If I'm in a restaurant, I don't know when the food's coming out and I don't really know how much is going to be on the plate, how many carbs are there. I ordered pasta or something. I'm going to go ahead and dose for half of the meal on my pump or maybe even three fourths of it, depending on the situation. 10 or 15 minutes before when I put in the order, right? Because I know it's starting to be made. Um, And that's just one way that I think can work really well with kids too. That way you're not risking like such a bad low if the food is really late because that is the worst thing ever when you're Mm -hmm. waiting in a restaurant and it never comes and then you're, you know, 60 going down. Mm -hmm. Do you use that as well, Amanda? Yeah, I do that all the time. And it's it's all super dependent on where her current blood sugar is. And honestly, the thing that has changed my management style completely is having my Apple Watch and using the Sugar Me app to get mm. my daughter's blood sugar on the face of my Apple Watch. So I literally yep. just have to glance at the face of my Apple Watch. I always have the number and right next to it is the arrow up, down, double, like it has all the arrows and the change in blood sugar number from the last five minutes. So I love that too. Some people I think like that's too overwhelming. It's too much information. And I understand that. Like I'm not saying everyone has to get that, but uh, if the idea of like having that much access where you don't Mm -hmm. have to like do the mental math and you can just like quickly glance, um, if that sounds appealing, it's sugar meat. You get the app on your um, iPhone and then follow the directions in the app to connect it to your Apple watch. Yes. So. And then the other last thing really fast is 
allowing yourself to realize that maybe you didn't give the right amount and giving more. And this is a controversial one. Really want to say it's not medical advice, but if you needed the insulin in the first place, I personally don't believe it was stacking. So let's say the the meal that I had really had 85 carbs, but I only gave 40 carbs. And so, you know, 10 minutes after eating, I'm 175 double arrows up. Well, I'm not just going to say, oh, well, I can't dose for two more hours. Like too bad, mm. you know, like <laughs> I'm just going high, I guess. No, I'm going to give more insulin because clearly I needed more insulin. And yes, the, this can get dangerous if you give a crazy amount way too fast and, you know, you're kind of being micromanaging about it. But when you need more insulin, you need more insulin. And man, that that's probably my biggest pet peeve yeah. in this space is when doctors are like, you got to wait two hours to dose again. And it's like, but you didn't give enough in the first place. So now they're just yeah. going to be 300. Exactly. I had to say that. <laughs> yes. No, I appreciate that you did because it, it is so important. Um, I think the trouble with so many parents of type one kids is like when you're still an MDI, you're stuck. Yeah. And it, it mm-hmm. really sucks to decide my kid is going to eat 20 grams of carbs and then they're starving and they want an extra 20 oh, yeah. grams of carbs you know, like that sucks. That's when I try and fill up with like protein and things that don't need, you Mm -hmm. know, another injection. Um, But honestly, it got to the point with Hattie where she got so used to the injections that it was like, okay, but you need more insulin. So like your options are I make you chicken and you have like chicken and veggies or you get another dose. And she very often would ask for another shot. (laughs) Yeah, some kids are totally fine with it. And that's where MDI can really work for people is when, you know, the kid doesn't care about getting poked five times then. Yeah. That was not me, but that works for them. Yes. All right. We are um, just about out of time. I don't know. That topic is big and cumbersome. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. At first we were like, oh, man, should we have a backup topic? But we could have kept <laughs> it That's so true. Yes. All right. Let's do a quick roll point. call. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, Hattie is 123. It says I'm 152 straight arrow down, but this Dexcom's looking a little jumpy. I might be wrong. Jumpy, <laughs> jumpy. Jumpy, jumpy. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us again. Thank you for continuing to subscribe, rate, and review the show. And remember to follow us at Type One Together on Instagram and TikTok. All the things that we're offering right now are there using the link in our bio. And we will see you next week. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.